Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now, it's time to get to work. Ian, the Denver Broncos have not beat the Kansas City Chiefs since 2015, the infamous fumble recovery game. And they haven't beat the Kansas City Chiefs at home since 2014. So seven straight losses, over two seasons worth of football. Is this finally the year that the Broncos get a win against the Chiefs? and get a win at home against the Chiefs? I sure effing hope so, because it is the one talking point that Kansas shitty fans have over Broncos country. See, I'm going to have to beep that out. Ah, so much work now. <laughs> I don't think you have to beep it, because I think that's how basically everyone refers to it. Got it, but okay. It is the it's the one talking point that Chiefs fans have over Broncos country is, well, you can't even beat us. In the regular season. Okay. Well, you can't win a playoff game and you've never won the trophy named after your owner. We just won. I mean, we win the argument when we have the argument, but it is frustrating to have that that out there that it's been over two seasons, th- three and a half, right? Three and a half seasons since the Broncos, if you like chopped it up into the number of times they played, since the Broncos have beat the Chiefs. And that 2014 
win at home thing. That just feels like forever. It feels like the team is is not just different. Like what I will tell you is since the last time the Denver Broncos beat the Chiefs, and since the last time the Denver Broncos beat the Chiefs at home, this feels like a different team three times over. And and part of that is the the changing of the coaches, right? You've got John Fox who plopped it out there and expected it to perform every well played. week. Thank you. Gary Kubiak, who won a Super Bowl, give him credit, and was the coach during that uh, the infamous fumble recovery victory uh, at the end of the game. Uh, thank you, Jamal Charles, for putting the ball on the deck. And we're not going to mention the other one. And then the other one. And the other guy. Who, I mean, so it does. It feels like we have, since the Chiefs lost to the Broncos, had three iterations of Denver Broncos, which it just boggles the mind, right? It, it seems crazy to me. This isn't the Jets losing to the Patriots. This isn't Miami tanking. This is the Denver freaking Broncos. Against the Kansas shitty Chiefs. Twice now, two beeps. All right, here we go. <laughs> I think the difference with this iteration is Vic Fangio. Because as, as you said in your story for your one big takeaway – and we said it on the post-game podcast, is it seems like the defense has rounded a corner where they have the system figured out. They know the technique. They know where they need to be, and now they're just playing football. And I think that's what is the biggest difference this time around is the, the defense is firing on all cylinders, even with the injuries. They're still firing on all cylinders, and I'm actually excited to see what Fangio and Donatel dial up for the Kool-Aid man and Patrick Mahomes. Because I think that is going to be a very interesting matchup. And I think the key, it isn't my key to the game, but I think it'll be interesting to see what Fangio and Donatel do with the screen game. Because that is the essence of the Kansas City Chiefs offense. It is the screen game. It's the screen to Tyreek Hill. It's the screen to Travis Kelsey. It's short passes, and the receivers use their speed and quickness to get incredible yards after catch. So it's going to be fascinating to see what Fangio and Donatel dial up to counter that. Yeah, it's a, it's going to be uh, it's going to be an opportunity for fans to kind of see how Vic Fangio is capable of taking an offense and picking it apart, right? I think that's kind of what you are expecting as a fan. As a, as a member of Broncos country, you are looking at Vic Fangio and you're thinking, okay, this guy is going to examine an offense and, and pick it apart as a defensive coordinator would. He's going to be able to find the idiosyncrasies and find the little places where he can put guys in position to be successful. And, and that was really sort of the crux of everything against the Titans. It was just as much about guys playing up to their potential and and being able to uh, understand the defense and know what was expected of them. And like you said, just play football. And also, it's Vic Fangio putting his players in those positions to be successful. And we've been pounding this point since Gary Kubiak was the head coach about putting players in a position to be successful. And you, you are seeing that with the defense. It's it, it's not something we've seen as a culmination, right? It's something we've seen sort of come in pieces, bits and pieces throughout the season. 
And so that first four weeks of the season was difficult to watch because you could see the potential. You could see the guys that knew what they were supposed to do. And then you could also tell which guys were still way behind the curve when it came to understanding what was expected of them. And then you you get guys that get moved around a little bit, like a Demarcus Walker who's been shuffled in and been very successful uh, being more like a nose tackle or, or uh, helping to shift Shelby Harris out to defensive end rather than having him inside trying to eat up blockers, then the success comes, right? Then then the, the defense starts to fall in line. You have Derek Wolf with a couple of sacks and some success against the Titans. And by, I'm by no means saying that the Titans' offense is anywhere near as good as the Kansas City Chiefs' offense, but it all sort of starts to come together at just the right time, especially with a short week. Like I kind of feel like this being a short week is an opportunity for the defense to really be prepared for an offense that, let's face it, a little banged up and uh, an opportunity for Vic Fangio to kind of do his defensive coordinator genius thing. And I think two, two aspects of that, you mentioned DeMarcus Walker, you mentioned Shelby Harris. It's, there's also Mike Purcell and Alexander Johnson. And I think with Alexander Johnson, if he's able to put a third game together of him completely dominating on the interior of the defense like he has the last two weeks against uh, Tennessee. Tennessee and then the Chargers, he is without a doubt the answer at middle linebacker. There's going to be no question about that. Whether or not he's going to be able to be strong in coverage will be interesting, especially against Travis Kelsey. And the other thing to, to play into all of this is there's we, we talk about blueprints and how there's this narrative going around about how there's a blueprint to beat the Kansas City Chiefs and we'll, we can get into that about how you run the football and keep them off off the field. My key is going to be the complete antithesis of that. But there is a blueprint to beat the Kansas City Chiefs offense. And Bill Belichick had that in the AFC Championship game. And we touched on that when Vic Fangio was hired. Because Fangio gave the blueprint to beat the Rams that Belichick used in the Super Bowl. Which now seems to be getting used throughout the league. So what will be interesting is what Bill Belichick did, for those who don't remember, is he completely shut down Tyreek Hill. Yeah. He shut him down like the NFL should have for beating his three-year-old son. Yeah, I agree with that one. Okay. So what will, what I want to see is we know what Chris Harris Jr. does to Keenan Allen even if Keenan Allen proves that if you play football, you lose your mind and you have lose all rational thought. Does the Bronco do the Broncos Fangio and Donatel do that with Chris Harris jr. And Tyreek Hill. Yeah, that's a good, you know, that's a good question. Obviously it's one that will be answered uh, Thursday night, but it, it, it's just going to be, an int- this is an interesting game because of the timing of it. I think it was uh, it was the end of the world. It was the apocalypse in Broncos country after the first four games. Uh, nothing was going the way that 
anybody wanted it to go. The ball was bouncing the wrong direction. Calls were not going the Broncos' way. Players were not playing the way that they were expected to play. Everything was bad. Magic seconds were falling from the sky and giving other teams an opportunity to win. The defense sort of was incapable of stopping Gardner Minshew, which I still just don't understand. And then they get that win against the Chargers, and you you saw that sort of attitude shift. You you knew it was there. You knew the guys could feel that things were different. They kept saying, yeah, we're 0-4, but things feel different. Yeah, we're struggling, but things feel different. Then they get the win, and you can tell, oh, wait a minute. This is starting to work for us. And then they get another win, and now you've got a, a division rival coming in, and you get to play them at home in prime time. And you have an opportunity as a team to make a huge statement with a big win. The, the, you, we talked about this on the postgame uh, recap against the Titans. Stars aligning and whatnot. I, I'm not saying the stars are aligning right now. I don't know if the moon is in the seventh hour. I have no idea if Jupiter is aligned with Mars. But I do know that at the end of this game, we will have uh, a fairly good idea of what this Denver Broncos team is capable of and just where they stand in the AFC West. What makes it exciting is... The Broncos are on a two-game winning streak, and the Chiefs come into Denver on a short week on a two-game losing streak where the defense is hot garbage. The Chiefs' defense is hot garbage, especially when it comes to stopping the run. The Chiefs are 30th in the National Football League in run defense. So if Rich Scangarello doesn't basically hand the ball off like every every time to Royce Freeman or Philip Lindsay, there's gonna be a problem because the, the 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 Chiefs defense is just not very good. And then when you look at the Chiefs Twitter account and they they talk there's a tweet on Tuesday that the Chiefs sent out and to see like the sky is falling from Chiefs fans and it's all about the defense. Panic mode. They are in it, full panic mode. It's hysterical. Well, and and Chris Jones is 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 he doubtful or is he out for the game? I, I don't know what the official report is, but I know that everything I've seen about Chris Jones is that he may not even play on Thursday. That would be that would be a huge sort of how do I say this? That would be a big hole in that Chiefs defense as well uh, if if he doesn't play against the Broncos on Thursday night. And we'll hope that he doesn't. Right. And like we don't know. We're just guess if he doesn't. That right. That's kind of like oh, there's another little little itty bitty thing that helps them in in the way to a victory. You touched on it before we started recording about how the Broncos destroyed another quarterback because the Titans announced that Ryan Tannehill is or is going to start for their Week Seven game. Hopefully, they can do that against. I think it, I think it's pretty obvious that he's far from 100 percent in clearly Patrick banged, Mahomes. Yeah, clearly banged up. So you got a is it? It's it's like a high ankle sprain, but it's the one that you can play on or whatever. But it certainly limits your ability to do stuff. In in terms of the the practice report, and I don't think either team practiced on Tuesday. I think it was more like walkthroughs, right? He's listed on the injury report with an ankle, and he was listed as full. But if watching the last two Chiefs games, it's clear he's not full. 
No, he ha- no, he hasn't been full for a couple of weeks. Patrick Mahomes, that is. So uh, it it is kind of they're 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 a team that has some some injury issues. Uh, Sammy Watkins is another one who uh, who who may be sidelined or who who may just not be as effective because of an injury. Um, it's it's one of those things where again the Broncos are sort of getting to a point here where the, this is seemingly the right time to catch the Chiefs, right? You're, you're catching the Chiefs on a short week, kind of dinged up, struggling to stop the run, Thursday night primetime game at home. The, there, there's a number of things here that would indicate to you that the Broncos have a, a snowball's chance. And so uh, that's that's a good thing for, for Broncos country. And the excitement should uh, should start to build again. I think uh, it should be tempered excitement. I don't, I don't want anybody to get so hyped up that they start chanting Super Bowl right now because that's clearly not what we're doing. But there's a lot of potential here. There's a lot of potential, and it's, it's more fun to watch than it was before. In terms of the playoff race, I, I believe they're only a game back of the AFC wildcard spot. Right, right. Now. And I, a win over the Chiefs would put them right in the thick of the playoff hunt, about halfway through the season. Well, and it and not just the playoff hunt, but if if they get a win against the Chiefs, they're they're in the in the hunt for the AFC West division title at that point. At that point, you can start talking about okay, how do the Broncos win the AFC West division? And this is coming after you and I spent an almost ten minutes of an episode a couple weeks ago going through the schedule trying to find wins and not being able to find them. So the attitude... In all fairness, I did say that the Charger, the, the Chargers and you more did. likely the Titans were the wins on the schedule. You did. You pointed them out. The Titans game was the one you pointed out specifically, and then you also rolled back into the Chargers and said, there's another one because it is just another home game, which you were right. And can I just... let me Let me tangent a little on that. How many terrible towels were there on <laughs> in in Los Angeles for the game against the, against the Chargers for the Steelers and the Chargers? I mean, there are more than they have in Pittsburgh. If I was playing for the Chargers, I I would not want to play for the Chargers. You it's you're playing for a franchise that has zero fans. There is no fan base. I wouldn't want to play for him. I would not play for the, I, well, I'd play for the Chargers. I'd play for anybody right now because whatever, but nah, I, I wouldn't want to. You can see why Keenan Allen wants that, out. <laughs> that I think the thing that that highlights is they should have never left San Diego. I, I believe there was an agreement in place for a new stadium in San Diego, but the NFL was so hell-bent on getting into Los Angeles that they didn't even think about it. Here's the other thing about it. It wasn't just for the Chargers in that soccer stadium. There were more 49ers fans in the Coliseum against the Rams than there were Rams fans. So it's not just the Chargers. It's it's an L.A. problem. And it's, it, it, the thing with L.A. fans, and if you know anything about Los Angeles sports, they are the most fickle in the entire country. If you don't win... They will not support you. Yeah, because that's just how they are. So you either put a winning product on the field, or I don't have time. That's kind of that's the attitude they have, and, and because 
they spend all their time driving there. So <laughs> I'm not going to waste eight hours to drive three blocks if the team sucks. I mean, they could just walk. I'm just just going to put that out there. They could just walk if it takes that long. Or they could, uh, I don't know, do a ride share or something. They could figure something out. But they won't because it's Los Angeles and everybody drives everywhere no matter what. It, it, I would just get a moped and go in between the traffic. That's yeah. all I would do. Sure. Just get like a little, or just, you could just ride a bike. Just, just ride a bike. A moped is essentially a bike with an engine on it. A little I don't want to work that hard. Yeah. But you'd have to work a little hard. You do have to pedal to get the, the motor running on a moped. That's why it's called a, a moped. It's, it's a motor pedal bike. How old were you when you figured that out? Was it this, was it this old? Not I think to, I was. I think I was ten. Ten. I was probably ten. I was ten. All right. Okay. All right. Let's let's bring it back to the to the Broncos though, so we can keep going on this. Make sure that we we stay somewhat focused, not too focused, but somewhat focused. Um. So, I I guess what we got to do is we got to get into the game preview, which we've already somewhat started. And so I will ask you, um, do you have a, a key to the game that and you sort of mentioned keys to the game? You kind of previewed mine, which I appreciate you doing. Um, but, but then you actually said you have one that is the antithesis almost of what I think my key to the game is. So I'll, I'll let you go first. So my key to the game is I want the offense to come out with a quick start, kind of like they did against the chargers, like they did against the Jaguars and put the chiefs back on, on their heels because when that happens, you then give the defense a lead. So you're going to allow the defense to play a little bit freer than it would if it's in a an, an old JR reference, a slobber knocker. They're going to be they're going to play a little bit freer, which with a team like Kansas City, who is reeling right now losing two straight games at home. If the Broncos can come out and punch Kansas city in the mouth, like Tyreek Hill does to his three-year-old son. Well, it hits him in the chest to toughen him up. Cause that's what you do with three-year-olds. You're gonna, you're gonna dizzy them a little bit. You're going to get the, the Broncos fans. You're going to get Broncos country even more into the game to be louder. You're going to get the defense fired up even more you're going to get Von Miller and all those guys on defense to to say, here we go. We got a lead. Let's bury them. Because that's what they need against the Chiefs, as we talked about at the top of the podcast, on a seven-game losing streak against Kansas City. Come out and punch them in the mouth. Reel them a little bit. And give the defense the flexibility to play a little bit freer. Oh, I like that. I, I, I like that key a lot. I also like my key to the game. Uh, which I think they kind of go hand in hand because once once you punch them in the mouth, once you get that that lead, if you, if they can do that, which they've shown that they can have a quick start, they've had good drives to start games against a few teams now. But if you can do that, get the defense uh, some some you know a little a little freeness, right, a little liberty out on the field, if you will. I also think the next thing you got to do is you got to go ball control, and like you said. Kansas City is horrible against the run right now. They cannot stop 
the run. And the Denver Broncos have maybe the best one-two punch as far as running backs go in the NFL. I'm not saying that Royce Freeman is is a top-tier running back, but Phillip Lindsay is, and Royce Freeman is extremely serviceable. Using those two guys to control the clock, to get big yards on, on first down, to ensure that the, the offense retains possession for as long as possible, keeping Kansas City's offense off the field, and then putting points on the board using the run game, that gives the defense a chance to rest. It gives the defense a chance to get fired up, and it gives them a lead to play with. So I think all of those things kind of come hand in hand there, and you have to you have to remember that controlling the ball and controlling the clock keeps Kansas City's offense off the field, and they're not going to beat you with their defense. They've proven that. They have proven throughout the course of this season they cannot beat teams with their defense. And so the goal is to try and force them to beat you with their defense because they won't do it. Running the football does that. And I I think that is a huge key to the game because, as I I mentioned, with the Chiefs' defense, they're 30th in the NFL stopping the run. So the Broncos should be able to run the football against the Chiefs because they enter this game 14th in rushing. Which is good. If they do it right, they'll leave the game first in rushing. (laughs) Just saying. I would would love that. So I I think while he's not a – He's not a player. I think one of the one of the most important factors to look at in terms of what to look for is Rich Scangarello in the game that he calls. Yeah. Will he script it out correctly? I think because he you can tell that he is obviously of the Mike Shanahan tree because he's from the Kyle Shanahan tree or whatever, however you want to, you know, they're all in the same little family line or whatever. And if you're a longtime Bronco fan, you know that one of the most important things that, that Mike Shanahan did with the offense was he scripted scripted the first 15 plays. You, he knew and his team knew exactly what they were going to do for the first 15 plays of the game. So can he put together a script that gives them that fast start and also allows them to control the clock and, and score points and keep the Kansas City Chiefs offense off the field? Uh, and, and that's interesting you bring up Rich Scangarello as somebody to watch in this game because it also kind of leads us into our players to watch. And let's just stay on offense to, to stay consistent here. Uh, on offense, who is your player to watch? I'm going to go with Joe Flacco because if there's ever a game that you need to have an elite quarterback, this is the one because it's a divisional game. It's on a short week. You need that experienced quarterback who knows what it takes to win these games. He's played in these games. He did it when he was with Baltimore going against Pittsburgh. So he knows what divisional games are all about. This is his first experience with the Chiefs, and it's his first experience with a divisional opponent at home as a member of the Broncos. So I want to see how he responds. I want to see him come out and – and not necessarily match Patrick Mahomes, but realize that this is a chance for him to to lead his team to a huge win. And this is the type of game where you need a veteran quarterback like Joe Flacco to step up and be the guy. Yeah, I think I think that's a really good one. Um, it, it's interesting because 
he does have Joe Flacco a, a lot of experience in games like this, but but not in a Broncos uniform. And so it'll be interesting to see how he responds. And this is an opportunity for him to sort of make his mark in Broncos country as well. I think this is one of those moments where uh, the doubters, if he can come out and play well, will sort of step back and say, okay, uh, he played well against the Chiefs and got us the you know first win uh, in seven games or whatever. How, how you know however you want to do it because there are enough people out there in Broncos country who are still what you might call you know people who don't like Joe Flacco or people who hate Joe Flacco or think he's uh, it was a terrible move to to get Joe Flacco. I you know whatever this would be a way to kind of silence some of those things. Uh, as far as players to watch on offense for me, I, I kind of have two. And, and I hope you don't mind if I take some liberties here. Uh, my first one is going to be Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. Uh, and that's not my two. That's one. That's the running backs. I want to see how well the running backs do. And part of the reason I, they're my players to watch is because my hope is that you will be watching them do a lot. That you will be watching them run the football and run the football and run the football and, and really take it to Kansas City's defense. Because that means that the Broncos are doing things right and they're probably winning the game now my other player to watch so i guess i have three does that mean i'm am i cheating too much here uh, is ronald leary we gotta t- we have to talk about this ronald leary is bad he's he's garrett bold bad at this point and i tweeted it out during the game uh on sunday he, he sucks he sucks and I, I don't like to say that because he's also very expensive and he's a veteran presence on the line, which is nice to have, but he just is not playing well. And I, I don't know if he's injured or if he's just old or if he never was as good as we thought he was to begin with, but he is having a really rough couple of weeks and, and something's got to change. And my hope is that Mike Munchak will have gotten in his face a little bit and and Mike Munchak's a teacher, so he's not going to be doing any yelling, but just kind of gotten to him and, and gotten his ear and tried to make some adjustments for him because it's bad. I even had people tweeting at me, uh, you know, stuff like, you know, when Juwan James comes back, get rid of Leary and slide Elijah Wilkinson over to guard. Like that would be a a good fix. I don't know if it would be. That's not really my forte. That's more of a a, a Joe M question or a a Joe Rolls question or a Jeff question. That's not for me. But if that's some, if that's a thought that's out there, that's, that's a little concerning. I think the thing that should alleviate some of that concern is how horrible the Chiefs' defense is. So he won't he won't play poorly because they're so bad. Is that the idea? If he plays as bad as he has the last couple of weeks against Kansas City, that's going to be an issue because I, I think Juwan James is close to coming back. So when he comes back, I, I think they need to seriously consider putting Elijah Wilkinson at right guard because that's how bad Ron Leary has been. Oof, that's, I mean, there you go. There you have it right there. So, yeah. I, I mean, either way, it's going to be Larry's last year with the Broncos. So they're going to be looking for a right guard, whether it's through free agency or the draft. And I obviously haven't looked at who's available free agency wise yet because it's the middle of October. And I'm not even going to consider draft stuff because that's not until April. So, no chance of that happening. It's just, I think for this season, if he, the hope is that he can get better. I think maybe part of the issue is that he didn't play at all during training camp. 
because they were worried that he might get injured. And I, he didn't play at all in terms of the preseason. So maybe he's getting up to speed. But we're we're six games into the into the season now. Yeah, you're so you're, you're past the preseason, right? Like if if you were going to call it preseason for him, those first four games were preseason, I guess. This is this is real football. He's got to you, you. You have to be better. You got to be better. That's just all there is to it. That's the bottom line. He has to be better. So, all right, uh, players to watch on defense. Let's go ahead and, and and slide on over to the defensive side of the football. Who's your Who's your player to watch? I'm going to go with Alexander Johnson because I, I touched on it. If he's able to play on Thursday against the Chiefs, the way he's played the last two weeks, he's going to be the answer at middle linebacker that the Broncos, as we touched on after the Titans game that they've looked for at this position since Al Wilson. And I think he, I I did, I did the feature on him for mile high report on Monday. And if you haven't seen it, should check it out because there's a lot of great quotes from Von Miller and from Fangio, but it's, it, it's so interesting to see what happens with players when they get their chance and they finally do get their chance and he's taking advantage of it. So I want to see if he's able to do it against an offense that has obviously post fits to the Broncos for the last seven games. What is he going to be able to do to help slow down that offense? Yeah, I like that one. I think that's a really good one. I'm going to cheat again. I'm going to give you two. Sorry. Uh, I, I can't help myself. I'm, I just am feeling it here. Uh, and, my, and my first one is going to be Kareem Jackson. He, like you said in, in the, our postgame recap after the Titans game, he is the, t- the tone setter for the defense. And the way that he plays is, is fun to watch. He is, he's a hitter. He knows where he's supposed to be. He understands his role on the defense, and I think he plays uh, he, he plays to his strengths maybe better than anybody on the field at times. And so uh, just to be able to, to watch him sort of just watch him play, uh, watch him do what he does uh, is I, I just I think he's somebody that you have to watch just because he's he's that good. Uh, and then the other guy that I, I'm really interested in watching is Demarcus Walker. Uh, he, seems to be blossoming in this defensive scheme. Uh, whatever Vic Fangio is doing with him uh, is working. Whatever he and Ed Donatel have worked up for uh, Demarcus Walker is, I, I think it's really good. I really like it. And I think that it's it's something that uh, if it continues to carry over, uh, he, could be, he could be a huge part of uh, helping to contain Patrick Mahomes, who even though he's injured, um, I, I or seemingly injured or uh, banged up, if you will. You know, he's he's got an ankle. He's he's not he's not a hundred percent. Demarcus Walker and the defensive line can get that push that we talked about before the season even started. And now you're going to get to the quarterback more. I, I I think that there are some opportunities there. So uh, those are my two players to I know player to watch. I, I, I cheated on both sides of the football, so um, I apologize for that. Uh, I, I suppose what we'll do here, though, is uh, now that we've we've decided on which players to watch, let's take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we'll do uh, some score predictions. We'll do a quick wrap around the league, looking at the AFC West and some of the other interesting games that are coming up. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right, that was fun. We're back. Um, Let's jump into our predictions, Ian. I'm going to – you know what? I'll go first. I don't usually go first, but I'll go ahead and go first this time. I don't know. Do I usually go first or do you usually go first? Have we? It's usually hit and miss. Yes, it's hit It's hit and miss. That is for sure. And it's, Unlike it's, when Tyreek Hill hits his kid. It's never a miss. Oh, my goodness. That was a good one. And usually the miss is my predictions. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm, I am going to predict 27 to 24. And I'm going to say the Broncos get the win here. So – that's a high score for this Denver Broncos team that only put up 16 points against the Tennessee Titans and struggled against the Chargers to put up points in the second half and struggled to put up points against the Jaguars in the second half and struggled to put up – I could go on and on and on and on and on and on. But I think the struggles on defense for the Chiefs, coupled with the Broncos being able to get off to a fast start like I think we've talked about many times, lead to the fact that I think they'll have a lot of points on the board – by the time they get to the second half. And so 27, 24, because that's a tough defense to, or offense to contain. 27, 24, Denver. Maybe even on a last second field goal. And I'm going to say 2016. The Ooh. Chiefs miss an extra point. <laughs> just, just for fun. So now the question is which extra point is he talking about? The last one. That would have made it twenty to seventeen. Uh huh. Oh, there it is. I just wanted to. I was just sort of working our way to the understanding that what you're doing is also picking the Broncos, the Broncos. to win. All right, just making sure. I was leaving it hanging there. Yeah, you did. It That's was what you said. <laughs> I. You know what? I. I will say this. Three weeks ago, there is no way, no way, either one of us was going to actually predict. Well, you might have predicted a Broncos win, but I don't think either one of us would have believed what we were predicting. But I think we believe it today. I think heading into this game against the Chiefs, these are predictions that we believe could happen. I totally believe it. And you're right. Three weeks ago, I I mean, I will never predict the Raiders or the Chiefs to beat the Broncos. Ever. Ever. And three weeks ago, I wouldn't have believed it, but I do believe it now. And I think it's entirely because of this winning streak that they're on. And we touched on it when they finally got that win against the Chargers. They're going to want to continue to feel it because they haven't felt it for so long. That's what she said. Now it's just beat me by this much. It's it's when you, you get on a roll 
you you want to continue to do it. Just like Kevin Costner said in Bull Durham, you don't F with a streak. That's right. That, that, that's absolutely right. And and again, I think that the, the real point here is the first four weeks of the season, they lost those first four games, but you could see that this was different. Uh, it was unfortunate. It was frustrating, but it was different. And the last two weeks have been more of a, uh, yeah, they should have won this game and they won this game. And uh, they went out and did what they needed to do to get a victory. And I think that, like you've said, that's going to continue to roll. And and that that's something that we had enough confidence in the team that they could get some wins. I think we were starting to feel like things were getting better. Now the confidence is they could beat a team that a lot of people were picking as a Super Bowl contender this year. Uh, and And I think they have every shot to win this game. Absolutely. So, all right, let's, let's do a quick wrap around the league. Let's take a look at the AFC West first. Um, and, and right off the top, the Raiders play at the Packers who just going to lose big, who just, let me just say the Packers did just win a game that was essentially handed to them by the referees, but and now they're going to be handed an easy game because they're playing the Raiders yeah, exactly. at home. Yeah. So they get two easy wins in a row. That, that must be nice. Good for them. Good, good for them. That's good. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't see the Raiders winning that game uh, at all. I, w- I don't imagine that they can. Uh, and then the other AFC West game that, that we have to look at, Chargers get to play a Titans team that just had their uh, just had a quarterback switch and was made to look pretty rough by the Denver Broncos. I, that one, to me, is a bit of a toss-up. I, I feel like I should pick the Chargers, but I also – don't really think the Chargers are that good. I actually think the Chargers are a bad football team. No, oh, well, there you go. And I, I, I think I, I do think it's a toss-up game though. But I'm going to give the edge to the Titans just because they're playing in Nashville at home. So I think the Titans will win the game. But I don't think it's, I, I, as the old adage goes, when you have two bad teams, you usually get a good pillow fight. So I think that's what's going to happen on Sunday with the Chargers and the Titans. I think the Titans are going to eke out a victory. I think the Chargers do have a good defense, especially with Joey Bosa. So they're yeah, going to be able true. to they're going to be able to get after Tannehill. I just I don't think the Chargers are good. Yeah, I mean it's the regular season, so this is it's not Chargers season anymore. The Chargers are good uh, in the off season. And they're not good in the regular season. So I, I guess, yeah, it's a coin flip. And when it's a coin flip, you pick the home team. I, I suppose the Chargers will probably or the Chargers will probably lose that, uh, even though they're playing a backup quarterback. But I guess it's two backup quarterbacks if you really want to talk about the, t- the Titans quarterback situation. There uh, was there was there a game that stood out to you that you wanted to watch? Um, I think they, there's. I think there's a couple, and one of them is going to be surprising because one of the other teams involved is so bad. But the 49ers, yeah, along with New England, those are the last two unbeaten teams in the National Football League. This so I want to see, I want to see if the 49ers are going to be able to continue. I mean, obviously they're going to keep it rolling against the Redskins, but how are they going to keep it rolling? And then the other game is their NFC West rival, the Rams, going at Atlanta and we haven't touched on it yet, but the Rams 
traded Marcus Peters to the Ravens and then made a subsequent deal with the Jaguars to get Jalen Ramsey. So now you have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey on the same defense with Wade Phillips. Obviously, that doesn't solve the issues they have offensively, but defensively, that's pretty good. That's, that's pretty. That's pretty good. Pretty. Pretty. It's pretty good. Yeah. No. That's that's a, that's not pretty good. That's legitimately good. That is uh, something that they had to do. Also, because they ended up having to put a keep to leave on IR, so a keep to leave goes on IR. Uh, Marcus Peters and goes away. For all the people who said that John Elway was horrible for getting rid of a keep to leave. Akeem Talib hasn't exactly done anything since he left Denver. No, I, I no, at least nothing of note. It's you know it's interesting. Uh, at least he two, hasn't shot himself in the ass. That's true. You got to give him credit there. He's been able to keep his gun pointed away from himself. Uh, it's interesting though. You bring up Elway and, and getting rid of players. The the two guys from the no fly zone that uh, he sort of moved on from that were that were. Uh, a big problem for a lot of people in Broncos country and myself included when it came to Aqib Tlaib, uh, TJ Ward and Aqib Tlaib, what have they done since they left Denver? Not much. Not much. If, if anything at all. So uh, kudos to John Elway for at least being able to to do that. Uh, what about, and then I, I don't know if you noticed this, uh, you, you got a Bears Saints game that uh, could be interesting. The Saints have been good even without, Drew Brees, but they did uh, run up against a pretty good defense in the Jaguars and and only put up a few points uh, in week six. So will they have those same issues against the Bears? They'll be on the road. They'll be in Chicago. Can they put up points against the Chicago Bears defense? I think the thing that's going to – that should concern New Orleans fans is Alvin Kamara's hurt. Well, it doesn't concern them as much as it concerns me as an Alvin Kamara owner. Because that that's what's allowed them to play as well as they have without Drew Brees is Alvin Kamara. With an injured Cal- Alvin Kamara, how effective is he going to be on the road in Chicago against that Chuck Pagano coach defense that just got beat by the Raiders in London and is coming off its bye? Yeah, it, that's a good question. You know, I wonder, though, how injured Alvin Kamara is because he's, he's really only listed as questionable. I know, it's, um, I, I know it's never good to see a guy's name as questionable, and perhaps I am, again, as an Alvin Kamara owner in fantasy, just kind of hoping that it's not as bad as it looks. Uh, but I'm a little nervous about it. I, you just got to wonder where that, where that team is going to go. If, if you lose Drew Brees and Alvin Kamara, I mean, now what, right? Latavius Murray is the guy you have to turn to along with Teddy Bridgewater. That's not a a Saints team that people would get excited about. Uh, You do have uh, uh, sort of a couple traditional games, Sunday night and Monday night, Eagles-Cowboys, Patriots-Jets, some division rivalries there. Obviously, Patriots-Jets, it's like, do the Patriots ever play any real football teams ever? No. Throughout a season? I mean, they, they have the easiest schedule every single year it is just obnoxious like make them play somebody they get them out of the the afc east or switch some teams around this is just it it really is getting to the point where it's ridiculous the other divisional game that'll be interesting is texans at colts because the those are the two teams that have subsequently beat the chiefs oh yeah that's so it, true it'll be interesting to see how that divisional game 
plays out. How did I miss that? Um, so that that'll be one of the games that I that I'm looking for. There's a few games on I, here that, are, that that look like good games to watch. The other one is the Ravens at the Seahawks. Because you're going to have two similar quarterbacks with Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson, and how how are the Ravens going to going to respond to flying across the country to play in front of uh, the number of fans that Seattle ripped off from Texas A&M that they have to pay to actually use because they're so unoriginal they can't come up with their own damn name. It, it is interesting that they they have to pay a college uh, a college money to use. Uh, a nickname that is that isn't their own like they it's it's an unoriginal stolen nickname and people just accept it as well that's just what they are that's what they are because they paid money to a college to be able to share it right they have to share the nickname it's it's kind of sad it's it, it's not kind of sad it is sad and i hate the seahawks so go ravens <laughs> just, just i hate the seahawks that's that's all there is to it so I, and I can't, I can't give the name that I call them because I've already called it Kansas Shitty. Yes. For now, the third time. Beep. Ah, my the beep is always so late. I don't know what to tell you. Hopefully, we we're not going to have to bleep anything after the Broncos beat the Chiefs on Thursday. If we do, it'll be out of joy. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at MileHighReport.com. And as always, go Broncos.